0: listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program
1: good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth I'm hosting today's show with us in the studio is our sponsor, FedTalk sponsor. We're so pleased to be able to talk with our sponsor today, um, who are able to bring us our show, the show, you know, twice a month to all of our listeners. And our sponsor is Long Term Federal Long Term Care Partners. And um, Joan Melanson, who is the program promotion director and has been with Long Term Care Partners since their inception. She's with us live. Good morning, Joan.
2: Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I love being down in D.C. It's a gorgeous day. Yeah,
1: you know, you this is um, um, you're a regular You, Mm -hmm. you, you you've been on our show quite a lot and. Um, at least twice a year it is a beautiful day here in dc isn't Mm -hmm. it it's gorgeous the sun's come out it's it's fabulous and it's been such a beautiful week so the weather person last night said oh gosh this is what we're all worried about she says oh gosh it's been so nice do you think that the dead of winter we're going to get payback
2: is this the calm before the storm as i say it's beautiful it's been beautiful in boston boston as i say as well and we had the worst winter last year and so if
1: it's going to be bad uh, Yeah. So enjoy. So everybody shouldn't be enjoying it now. Apparently next week's going to be just as lovely, maybe not 80 degrees. But um, we do have long term care partners on our show. Joan, as you know, you're the one who comes on um, at least twice a year because, you know, it's really important for people um, to think about the benefits packages that their employer offers them, their federal employer offers them. And the federal workforce is really um, I know that. Um, there's concern, and we're going to have Jesse Clement from Narfon later mm-hmm. on in the show, um, there's concern and angst that Congress has been whittling away at their benefits. Notwithstanding, <clears throat> they still have their benefits. Mm-hmm. They're paying more for them. And um, one of the benefits available to them is long-term care insurance from a Cadillac insurer that the rest of us envy.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that. Um because, as you mentioned, the benefits are becoming more expensive. It's even more important for federal employees to understand what their benefits are and to really take advantage of them. And there are a couple of things that that uh, that you can do. I mean, it's OPM is a very big advocate of um, providing education for employees as well as as retirees to make very. Um, Informed and educated decisions, and that's what we're all about at the Federal Long Term Care Insurance Program, to make sure that um, and long term care isn't something that people get all excited about when I come and talk and they go, "Oh, Joe Melanson's going to talk about long term care." <laughs> <laughs> well, Hooray. People want It's hard it's, to
1: confront it's, those.
2: It's we're all in denial. I don't know about you, Deborah, but I'm not getting any older. I mean, I've just I go I'm going back in time. I'm I sixteen. Mean, yeah, and you know, it's it's like that movie, um, Benjamin Button where, where he starts old and gets younger. Well, I, I'm following that that route. So, you know, we're in the prime of our lives and and you're sitting there looking fabulous and I say, Okay, it's about time because you're early fifties, it's about time that you think about long term care. And you go, Really?
1: No, I I I um you know, I've had an I've had I've seen enough people around me mm-hmm. who um you, who um, you know, you don't think things will strike you mm-hmm. at, you know, in your middle age. You think you know, you think about long term care insurance as I'm in a nursing home, I'm in my eighties. Right. Absolutely and old people has become eighties. But long term care insurance really is also for the unexpected illnesses and diseases, conditions that could afflict you mm-hmm. younger than that, um, for which your health insurance just, it it won't take you there. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. People think
2: of long-term care insurance uh, synonymous with nursing homes. Old people, and we've all been there. My mom was there. I spent a lot of time for two and a half years visiting. Um, but the reality is there's a lot of care that happens pre nursing home. Because only less than 20% happens in a nursing home. And that's where you have all this caregiving for folks who are younger. As you say, they might be dealing with uh, conditions where they're at home for a long time. That's where they want to be. And um, and, and believe it or not, 40%, and I know averages really, they drive me crazy, 40% of care will happen to people under the age of 65. And that's a big number. That's and it's a big not, number. It's not nursing home care. It's care at home. And it, it's and you mentioned health insurance because most people think that, hey, I've got great a great plan. I have the FEHB. Then I'm going to get Medicare. I'm covered. You know, um, TRICARE. I mean, everybody's so insuranced out. Something must cover it. And the reality is that health insurance stops when you're not getting better. It's all about medical care. You know, you have a stroke, you go in the hospital, we patch you up. You have a heart attack. I mean, now look at them amazing things that they do for people of all ages. And within how many days? They're out of the hospital, they're in rehab, and then they're as good as new. But long-term care is when you're not going to get better. And that's why it's it's terribly mm-hmm. depressing. Because you need assistance with eating, bathing, dressing, those types of non-medical uh, things that, that people need assistance, either because you can't do them or you have a cognitive impairment. You have Alzheimer's where my mom had that. And, you know, she was able to get dressed. If I said, here, mom, here are your clothes. Time to get dressed. She could get dressed. Time to eat, mom. Put the food out. She could eat. But she, but um, she
1: couldn't prepare the food herself. And she wouldn't figure, know it, it was it would, time to, to get your.
2: Or, and or, she wouldn't would, know it was time because you don't have that sense of, it's just like, you know, you hear of of people of, of, of folks with Alzheimer's um, wandering in the streets without a coat because they, you know, they lose uh, a sense of, of, of reality. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think the population
1: is getting much more educated about dis- dementia diseases like Alzheimer's that actually does strike. Um, it's early onset. Its initial onset is in it's in your fifties. Um, your your. How, um, Tell our listeners your website, because when I went on to find um, and read up um, in preparation for the show, um, I went on one of your websites, not the right website. So for people, people, our listeners who are interested in actually looking at the product that you sell, what's the website? It's
2: www.ltcfeds.com. So it's LTC, long-term care, feds.com. And the website is... It has so much information, everything you want to know and more, as I say, about long-term care. So it, it gives you information about what is long-term care. Um, what does it cost? And we have we have a number of, of calculators just to, to help people see, because the cost of care is very different at home than it is in an assisted living care facility or in a nursing home. And it also differs by where you are. I mean, D.C. and Boston, very expensive areas. You go to Arizona, lot less expensive. So a lot of of the the costs that you're going to incur will depend upon where you are living when you receive the care, where you plan to retire. We have tools that help people think about long-term care. So if you want to see what those costs might be, you have some sense. And our website gives you the tools to better understand. We have an online consultant tool, and we also have a very, very long list of webinars that help people Put long-term care within the context of retirement planning, and you'll be talking to Jesse uh, from NARF later. And they just they realize the importance of educating um, uh, em- uh, employees and retirees on making smart decisions. They've opened up a federal benefits institute that she's talked about to try to better inform uh, their members about uh, retirement and pre-retirement uh, benefits, and uh, they also work with uh, Tammy Flanagan. Uh, and we do it as well and and we have
1: experts she like can she is Annie. the absolute guru. gold standard she's a guru she's the benefits. gold standard. she's she, and she and she does it with this the most affable of personality mm. delivering this information um you know she's like a savant mm-hmm. on the intricacies of all of the benefits and the interplay between mm. them current and future benefits uh, retirement benefits the federal workers um you know, have access to. And so to be able, you know, as a member of NARF to have direct access to Tammy Flanagan, otherwise you're reading her column.
2: Right, or, or you go to our website because we do live webinars and then we archive them. So you can hear Tammy talk about benefits. You can hear about caregiving and what's that like. You can, you can listen to an attorney uh, talk about uh, how important it is to have a power of attorney, uh, healthcare proxy, get your affairs in order before... The crisis happens, and you're incapacitated, or your kids are trying to scramble and find everything. We have we have um, uh, financial planners like Karen Schaefer get, get on board. I mean, our our webinar uh, list is very exhaustive, and that's
1: for anyone who goes to your website. Anybody,
2: anybody can do that. And as I said, it's not only um, online. It's not only online. Um, you know, when we do it live, but we also archive it so that uh, because we we know that that folks are busy and they want to watch it when they want to watch it.
1: Right. And so we are going to actually talk, Joan, with you about the different products, the different types of long-term care packages people can buy. Um, And so while we take our first commercial break and listen to our sponsor, Federal Long-Term Care Partners, our listeners can go on the website and start scrolling around. ltcfeds.com. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I'm Deborah Roth, and today in the studio, joining me to talk about one of the during open season, although Joan's going to explain to everybody. Um, that it, it doesn't need to be open season for you to buy long-term care insurance, but it's a good time during open season to think about all of your benefits. We have with us Joan Melanson, who's the program promotion director for Long-Term Care Partners, and Joan, uh, Joan um, Long-Term Care Partners is a sponsor of our radio show. Joan, right before the break, you were telling everyone about the website and the tools on the website to start thinking about um what if what kind of what if any kind of long term care insurance um, they would buy? But essentially, you have a few products, right? Well, we we essentially have one product where you can design different variations to meet
2: your needs. Uh, the website is really helpful because it talks about long term care in general. What is it, and why is it important to you, and why you might want to think about it as part of your retirement plan? You may read about it and say, you know what, I'm okay. I don't need insurance, but at least I understand that I should have a plan for long-term care. Or you could walk away and say, wow, I've got a really good education on on long-term care, and it, and long-term care insurance might work for me. And as a result, what I'm going to do is use the um, shopper's guide. We have a little shopper's in NAIC. It's the National Association of Insurance C- Commissioners. There's a, shopping, a shopper's guide there. There's also a... Um, Uh, a comparison sheet so that I can comparison shop. I'll look at the federal long-term care insurance program and I'll look at private plans and I'll see what makes sense for me. We encourage people to make an informed decision. Or you might might say, you know, the federal long-term care insurance program is the right plan for me. That's what we want to do. We want to offer all of these options so that anybody who goes there gets a good education and makes the right decision them And when when we say there are a couple of different um, plans, there's really one basic plan and we call it Feltsip 2.0 um, but there there are really three decisions that that one has to make and and you know insurance is, is tends to be complicated. We're trying to make it simple by saying okay, There are a lot of insurance, private insurance plans out there that have a ton of bells and whistles and different riders and everything. But we decided to make it simple because this isn't, you don't buy this through an agent. You go online and you can actually fill out the application and submit it right online. If you need any help, you can call our 800 number at 1 800 LTC Feds. And A consultant will help you make a decision. They're not commissioned or anything. They'll just help you. In fact, you could call and say, I'm looking at this Genworth plan. I'm looking at um, Northwestern Mutual, and I'm looking at the federal program. You know, what, what should I be thinking about? And they'll point out some things. They're not going to advise you. They're not going to tell you what to do. But they're going to give you some guidelines of things to look at. They're informing. They're informing. And so we try to make it very simple. So it really boils down to three things. You have to decide how much insurance do you want or how much money do you want the insurance company to give you on a daily basis. We call it a daily benefit. For how long do you want that coverage to last? And what's the inflation option? Because you're buying a product today at age 50, 52 is about the average age that folks buy this program. You're not planning to use it when you're 52. In fact, you're hoping you're never going to use it. Sure. That's what insurance is. But the average time of claim is, is when usually when someone is in their 70s. So you're buying it out in the future. And because of that, you want some kind of an inflation, whether you purchase some additional coverage every two years, or whether it automatically goes up at four or 5% compounded. So I mentioned before, you have a daily benefit and you have a, a, a length of time. Well, we do make it a little confusing <laughs> because you multiply the daily benefit times the amount of time, if it's three years and they're 365 days a year, it gives you a pool of money. And that's really what you manage to, a pool of money. And what I'm saying here is that- you're gonna
1: you buy $200 a day times three, times years, three years. Times so
2: 365 gives you a pool of money. Right, so it's about a thousand days at 200 a day. Right, and then you would inflate that. Say you inflated at 4% a, a day, got it, 4% four, four compounded a year. Then the 200 would go up, commensurate with the pool of money. Okay, the way it would work is if you started off at home, you might receive home health care for four hours a day, three days a week. So that's only $80, and that would be three times a week. You wouldn't, you'd be able to stretch that longer than the three years. Because you would manage to that pool of money. And usually home health care, and even if you go to uh, uh, adult daycare or assisted living care, it's cheaper than the amount that you would spend in a nursing home. And Or you, you might me, not use it every to day. To me, that's
1: the most transformative thing of long-term care insurance in the last 20 years. Yes. 20 years ago when you bought it, you were just buying like nursing day, home d- days in a nursing home. That's it. And today, I was so surprised you know, talking to a broker or agent. I can't remember. It was like... This is sometime last year, and it was like, oh, no, no, this is all about money for you to buy care at home. I'm like, really? Because that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants to stay everyone at home. Everyone wants to be at home. Yeah.
2: Nobody wants to go to a nursing home. I mean, you go kicking and screaming to a nursing home. So the bottom line is, and and it's not saying that your family members and your spouse or partner won't take care of you. They will. I mean, families take care of families. But wouldn't it be nice to have somebody come in and help? Mm-hmm. Because when you think of caregiving, when I think of caregiving, I know what you think about. I think of cooking meals and bringing flowers and driving someone around, but we're talking about the heavy-duty stuff. We're talking about getting someone out of bed, showering, changing them. I mean, it's it's not the, the pretty part of caregiving. And I know with my mom, I, I loved doing the caregiving, but it was nice having someone come mm-hmm. in and you know helping with the, the harder... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it also heavy, heavy lifting types, of and it things, also gives say.
1: family members that distance between because, um, you know, my mother also you know, she died in her sixties, but when she was very ill during that period of time, she didn't want her children getting her out of bed. There's something ter- about dignity. Yeah,
2: it's dignity. But you know what? It Dignity's allows the word
1: I was looking for. It
2: allows you the ability as a family member to supervise the care and not do the hands on hard stuff and that's when you get a chance to enjoy the person i have time now to sit and talk to you you know mother i, I get a chance to to do those things for you uh, as opposed to the the other things mm-hmm. and, and and so it it just helps you it gives you options i guess is what we're
1: getting at it really helps people have options and so on on the long term care website they there's all this information there's three questions and that's how they sort of figure out their what the product is they want to buy. Right, because uh, the
2: the cost of a product, because everybody's got a budget and everybody's got kind of a, it's like when you go and buy a car, you say, I only want to spend this much. With this product, I can guarantee you're going to die at some point. I don't know when, but I have no idea if you're going to need this care. I don't have any idea of when you might need it. And finally, I have no idea for how long you might need it. So it's really a crapshoot. shot on it you know what do you what do you do how much do you buy i i I can't advise you so you might end up buying it paying for years and years and years and then you die and Mm -hmm. you never use Mm -hmm. it that's insurance so i tell people don't go insurance poor choose something that you, you if you've got other monies coming in you have um uh you know you know you have an annuity you have a flow of money just use this to supplement it it's catastrophic type of thing and and so look at your budget, but the younger you are, the less expensive it's going to be. It's like life insurance, because you're further away from-
1: Statistically, from, you're further from, away from needing it. From needing, it. The, from
2: needing it. Right. It doesn't mean you are, but it's statistically. And so we suggest that um, when you're younger, it's not only more affordable, it also, um, you it, the product is medically underwritten, and you have to be healthy. You don't have to be in perfect health but you can't already be receiving care. So it's really important for people to understand that sometimes they come by because we come here for all the health fairs, even though you can apply at any time. Spouses, parents, and parents-in-law can all um, apply. If you're retired, you can apply. The older you get, the more expensive it is. But we come to the health fairs along with all the, the open season that starts on Monday and goes through December 14th. We go to those health fairs because we're providing education. Plus, enrollees come and they ask questions about the program. So we're there with everybody else. That's why I'm down here in D.C. It's big health it's open fair season. season. Yes. And one thing I did want to mention in the, in the name of, of education, something that we're doing this year, because um, as you said before, I, I work for long-term care partners. We uh, work with OPM on two programs. One is the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program, and the other is Benefeds. And Benefeds is the secure website that we manage that gives you access for enrolling in the 10 dental and four vision plans that are available. And and that you only can, can do, during do during open, open season, season unless you have a life-qualifying event. You can only make those changes. So getting back to, and, and what you're going to hear from Jesse is, You know, if you don't do anything during open season, except for FSA feds that you have to, you know, elect it every year, you default to what you have. And we all are creatures of inertia. And it turns out that the dental and vision plans, they change their benefits every year. Their costs are different. It might be worth your while to just look at them. And we have a comparison tool on on the website that will help you look at what um the differences are because you might save some money. You might find that your needs have changed and you selected this plan five years ago. It's like a, I finally revisited my will and I real, realized my kids weren't weren't babies anymore. They're almost 30 years old. Right, so it's you like, didn't you didn't need um, the
1: provision of who's gonna take care, who's gonna be their guardian. Exactly. I mean those things change
2: and you know we're we're creatures of inertia. But in addition to the health fairs that we're doing this year is something new. It's called the Virtual Benefits fair. And it's a fancy way of saying that you can go online on your computer and you can visit all the, the booths like you were wandering in a uh, regular health fair. And this is going to happen. It's, it's a live event on November 18th from 10 to 2. And then after that, we're going to archive it on our website at um, ltcfeds.com. And you would you would go online on this event and you would, um, if you click on dental, you'll see all the dental plans, all the wow. information. And the four vision plans. So people actually,
1: the, you know, they no longer have to, you know, of course not. They wouldn't have not. to go to, you know, everything's on the internet. So now you don't actually have to go to, a, uh, you have, don't have to go to the health fair. Everything collect.
2: is there. And what we're doing right now is we're an aggregator, if you think about it. It's just all there. We'll have the comparison tool on benefits to compare things. But you'll be able to say you go into into dental and uh, you, there's a carrier you want to talk to. You can live chat, or you can send them an email and 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 have a conversation. You know with them. So it's a way to wow to have access. And we'll have, as I said, the ten dental, four vision FSA feds will be there, and we also have four health carriers, the four national plans. You know you can select I think from over 250 plans right. this is a pilot Walt, this started as a pilot Walt what's
1: his name who's on every show now during open season knows all the 250 yes. plus plans Walt but Francis. there's the Walt Francis right yeah he's but, the one with the two first names <laughs> Walt Francis right. but there's the um you know there's the the pimp daddy plans that everybody defaults to yeah. and then and then uh long
2: term uh federal long term care program is on that as well so you can you will basically be able to uh with on your computer, go to the various booths, and um, and, and live look chat at it and live chat.
1: Okay, remind our listeners when that
2: is. That is November eighteenth, from ten to two, and um, and they go onto your website, right? And um, and we'll archive it afterwards, so you can go and do that. And again, it's it's just a it's an easier way than going to each website. And the agencies asked for this when we we did a um, we had a, a meeting because they said there's so much telework now, and you know people can't get to a fair or they're working so hard they can't leave their desks. They're, they're like you. They're chained to chained, their desks. They're
1: chained to their desk, and they
2: and it's hard to get away and. Uh, and talk to people in this way you... Yeah, I'm going to... am desk.
1: I? Can I log in just uh, even though I'm not a Fed?
2: You certainly can.
1: I'm going to log in. I want to see what's going on. I got to put that on my calendar, November 18th from 10 to I will to send 10. you the information. And Thank you. you. can just click on it. Thank you. Um, we're going to take our mid-show break as Joan has forecasted for all of you. Um, we're going to have Jesse Clement from NARF on to join Joan in the next half hour talk about the benefits of of, um, that NARF offers to its members because there is overlap. Um, But what everyone always wants to know is from Jesse Clement is, you know, what's going on on the Hill and will the government shut down? So um, we'll hear from Jesse after our mid-show break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m.
0: If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message.
1: Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. We spent the first half hour speaking with our um, Fed Talk uh, show sponsor, the Federal Long Term Care Partners. And from Federal Long Term Care is Joan Melanson, who's who's always on the road and always out educating and informing people about long term care insurance. And um, as she mentioned, it you don't need to buy it. Um, during open season, although open season's a good time to think about all of your insurance products and all of your benefits. And so if you're looking at health, you're looking at dental and life, um, you certainly should consider um, looking at long-term care. And um, um, we we talked about the, uh, the website and um, there's plenty of information for everybody to get information about cost and types of services. So um, but before the show ends, we will be back with Joan just to make sure that we get that website back out to everybody. Now joining us, hopefully um, by phone is Jesse Jessica Clement, who's the legislative director at NARF.
3: Hi, Deborah, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, Jesse, thank you for joining us on the show today. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. I apologize. I couldn't be there in person. I'd certainly rather be hanging out with you and Joan than sitting <laughs> in my
1: office. <laughs> I know. When I heard that the two of you were the guests, I was like, oh my gosh, how much fun is that? We're having too <laughs> much fun without you, but we've got a little picture of you pretending you're here. <laughs>
3: right? Thank and, you. I have pictures of both of you on my desk. Oh, well. isn't that <laughs> right? Do I look good? You look great. Okay, thanks.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I was told, oh, Jesse's calling in, and I had a big bummer moment. Um, but <laughs> Um, But it's always fun to talk with you. And I think it's a nice compliment, Jesse, to have long term care partners on with NARF. Um, You know, NARF is, um, you know, active and retired, but a good part of your a good part of your membership are retired employees.
3: Yes. um, NARF's membership is split about 90-10 in favor of the retirees. Of course, this growing population of those inching towards retirement um, are starting to join NARF um, rapidly. In fact, as we try to offer more benefits to those who have questions about retirement and either don't know where to turn or have nowhere else to Mm -hmm. turn.
1: Mm -hmm. and, and, Joan and I were talking about that, Jesse, in the first half hour of the show. Um, you know, the federal benefit package is, is complicated and, and in a good way because there's a lot of it. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot of it. And um, why would someone who's either on the edge of retirement, a federal worker, or retired, why do they join NARF? What's the benefits for them?
3: So I think we talk a lot about having a voice on Capitol Hill and having lobbyists who will go to Capitol Hill and defend your benefits. And I think a lot of people say, yeah, that's great, but is that the reason to join an association? And what we found in surveying prospective members, surveying our current members, is that people need answers to their benefit questions. We heard a lot of my HR department is now contractors and they don't Mm -hmm. have answers to my questions. Or our HR department is at headquarters and I'm out in the field and I have a hard time getting a hold of anyone. There is really this void in terms of... People getting answers to their very, very complex benefit yeah. questions. And I think one of the benefits that NARF offers is that we have a staff in-house of federal benefits experts. Um, you can call at any time and ask your question. And we've also rolled out this new federal benefits Institute. We're hosting webinars throughout the year with Tammy Flanagan, everybody knows is a big expert um, on federal benefits to answer the most pressing questions that those nearing retirement have. Mm
1: -hmm. That's a coup, Tammy Flanagan.
3: It's great. Uh, she has such a wealth of information. Our We did our first webinar with her last month. It drew more attendees than we were even expecting, which just proves that there is such a need to... Um, find answers to these very, very pressing questions. Our next webinar with her is on November 12th. Um, and just based on what I've seen from NARF members, I think this one is going to draw a much, much bigger crowd because it's on the coordination between FEHBP and Medicare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our federal benefits department tells me all the time, the question they get most often is, should I take Medicare Part B when I turn 65? And what's the answer? Um, Uh, The answer is really, it depends. It depends, right? (laughs) This is is why we need an hour long webinar plus an hour of Q&A. Because it's so, it's so complex. And the, the easy answer is, for most people, yes. It makes sense to have both. And certainly you don't want to be in a situation at 65 where you're healthy and active. You choose not to take Medicare. And then it's ten years later. You're 75, and you're faced with a debilitating disease or cancer. And the cost then to enroll in Medicare ten years later is so prohibitive that now you now you can't have Medicare, and you only have FEHBP. But there are so many what ifs, and there are mm-hmm. so many unpredictabilities that because we get this question most often, it mm-hmm. seemed the perfect topic for a webinar with Tammy.
1: Yeah, and and you know. I I feel their pain about the complexity of the interplay between I have two points to make about that the interplay between the health insurance and Medicare. But aren't they lucky that they have that those choices, um, you know, that they're able to take a very fulsome health insurance plan because we'll talk about that in a moment with you, Jesse, like. You know, Congress picking away at that—that that they t- right. they're able to take a very fulsome health insurance plan into retirement, um, and you know, and be troubled about you know, you know, their biggest problem is should they have FEHB and or Medicare. The other point I wanted to make was Joan's point. Um, and and when we were talking with Joan earlier in the show, you know, she said I don't remember her exact words. I I know I'm rephrasing it. Was you know, she was I think a proponent of buy as much insurance as you can. You know, not over over the concept you know used to hear remember that we all used to hear back in the 90s you buy too much insurance you're overinsured. downgrade all right. your insurance and then people right. were literally underinsured they were underinsured with their car accidents when their houses yep. burned down um and so i i personally i'm i'm with joan the more insurance the better
3: I think so too, and it really depends on your, your needs. Mm -hmm. When you have both of them, Medicare and FHBP, and you're retired, Medicare is your primary payer. So if you go to the doctor, you have a copay, your FHBP plan will then reimburse you for that Medicare copay. So when you have both, you have very little, if any, out of pocket costs. And for some people, that's comforting, right? There's no, there's no surprises. Yeah. Um, you, you know exactly, you know exactly what you're paying each each month you have your FHBP premiums taken out of your annuity check you have your Medicare premiums taken out of your annuity check or your Social Security and you know for the most part that's all you're going to be paying that much in health insurance costs and I think that fact alone even if you are slightly overpaying for insurance it's very very comforting because there's no surprises
1: right and and like I said it's it's a you know oh it's such a difficult choice but what a, what what if a, how fortunate to be able to be in a position to have these you know These choices in front of you. And the other thing you sort of I I think about is um, if I were a federal about to retire, I'd I'd get both because God knows, Jesse, what our brilliant members of Congress are going to do to all of these things in the future. So I would get them now. And, you know, because as you point out, if you don't get Medicare, when you become instantly eligible, getting it in the future becomes harder. And who knows what they'll do? You know, who knows how they will change? These eligibility issues and the you cost can't see of it. me, but
3: I am completely nodding in agreement with mm-hmm. you right now. Yeah, Though so
1: I, I I buy it because I'm I'm insuring against the decisions of Congress uh-huh. to to change these benefit packages, um, which you know m- m- you know might affect might affect me if I didn't buy them.
3: Absolutely, and of course that's something we've been fighting for five years now. The attacks on the federal workforce from Congress really started in 2010. You know, USA Today came, did their own evaluation on federal salaries and said, you know, federal salaries are, you know, 75 times higher than, you know, the private sector. Just these ridiculous comparisons based on their own analysis. Um, and that really started, it really started the conversation on federal pay and benefits. If you look at federal pay and benefits, you know, they're very, very comparable to your large private sector companies, your right. Fortune 500, your Fortune 100. But those Fortune 500 companies aren't on the federal government's balance sheet. And we're looking at a situation where not only does this country have a large deficit, um, we're also under sequestration. So not only do does Congress want to fix the deficit, they also want to offer sequestration. And unfortunately for the 5 million federal employees and retirees, they seem to serve as Congress's piggy bank. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And and you've seen that. um, You've you've seen examples of that, um, at least in the last Congress and some forecasts for going forward, right?
3: I have. So I was, I don't want to say surprise because I think, all of us in the federal community, not just NARF, have been sounding this drumbeat that enough is enough, right? Federal employees have given $120 billion worth of deficit reduction over the last five years. We have this two-year budget deal. Any big budget deal, any big deal in general, you know, even looking at the highway bill that the House passed this week, any big deal coming out of Congress lends itself to an opportunity for them to use federal employees to offset the mm-hmm. cost of that legislation. So you have a two-year budget deal, um, which partially fix the Medicare issue that a lot of NARF members were facing, but also offset sequestration for those two years to the tune of $80 billion. Well, where are you going to find that $80 billion? And while I want to say that, you know, we've done our due diligence to make sure that federal employees aren't that offset, part of me was still a little surprised that federal employees were not part of that $80 billion offset.
1: Yeah, I I don't even know how you explain that, because that's what they were saying. I mean, they were saying that's where they were going to get it from.
3: So, I mean, for years, because it the work of increase retirement contributions? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think you know, not just NARF, but all of the federal postal groups. Um, certainly, the ones Deborah you work with, mm-hmm. uh, Senior Executives Association, Association, Federal Managers Association, the federal unions, the postal the unions. Groups, we've really been. We really banded together over the course of the last five years and have been sounding this drumbeat. Like, enough is enough. You cannot balance the federal budget on the backs of federal employees. You just can't. The numbers aren't there. Right. Um, so, you know, so these are already comparable benefits. The average FERS pension is about $1,000 a month. You know, like, is this, really, is this really where you want to take from someone's pension that's less than $1,000 a month um, in retirement? Um, and I would like to think that that message is finally starting to get through. I think, however, we're going we're gonna to see if it has continued to resonate when the House and Senate agree to their pay-fors in the highway bill. Um, as you will probably recall, when the Senate passed its highway six-year highway bill back in July, they were talking about using the thrift savings plan G fund mm-hmm. to offset some of those costs, which was part of the House budget earlier this year. So I think just because we got past the, the budget fight, doesn't necessarily mean we're out of the woods quite yet with this Congress.
1: Yeah, and I I actually wanted um, to be able to pick your brain and inform our listeners um, about what you really mean and some of the things that you see on the horizon. Um, And we're going to do that, Jesse. after we take our final uh, um, commercial break. So hold on, Jesse, and we'll be back in about 30, 40 seconds. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500
0: a.m.
1: Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. If you missed the first hour of the show, um, we spoke with Joan Melanson of the Federal Long Term Care Partners. Um, Federal Long Term Care Partners is the sponsor of our radio show, Fed Talk, and Joan um, gave us um, a nice overview of the long term care product and all of the information on their website that helps educate and inform. Federal workers about whether about long term care insurance and and the decision about whether or not to buy long term care insurance and what kind of product to buy, um, and then joining us at the midpoint in the show is Jesse Clement, who's the legislative director of NARF. And Jesse, you're still with us, aren't you?
3: I'm still here.
1: And so you left us with a teaser right before that last commercial break. That um, I think you said we're not out of the woods with this Congress. What do you mean by that?
3: Well. Federal employees, as your listeners are probably well aware of, um, have kind of been the target when Congress needs to pay for other priorities. We're typically used as an offset when it comes to decreasing pay and benefits. Federal employees, I'm sure, very much remember their three-year pay freeze. New hires are now paying almost six times more for their FERS pension benefit than those hired prior to 2013. Congress likes to come back to the federal employee and retiree well. We saw a House budget this year from a new chairman that. Took took $318 billion from both federal employees and postal employees as well as federal retirees. By comparison, Paul Ryan's previous budgets only included about $125 billion wow. cuts to the federal workforce. So this is a chairman that, you know, Chairman Price from the state of Georgia, two and a half times more cuts. And where was employees. he
1: getting them from?
3: So there was about eight provisions. You know, unsurprisingly, it was let's raise retirement contributions for all current federal employees. Sure. That's really the, that's, that's, all, all over a third of that 318 billion and that was the one that always appeared in Paul Ryan's budget i think it's something that's almost always going to be on the table and i think it continues to be on the table because we've been so successful in fighting it back um thus far it's changes to tsp it's changes to fehbp um one of the provisions were to tie your years of service to the the government's contribution to your FEHBP premiums in retirement, assuming, really? you know, yeah. So uh, there were no additional details, and it had a very very small cost savings attached to it. But they, should I I this, it they should put all this.
1: They should put all this scheming effort into, um, you know, I don't know, like redoing the infrastructure, improving and <laughs> fixing the infrastructure of our country. Uh,
3: of our roads, right? Right. You know, it never, it never ceases to amaze me that it's like we were talking about a highway bill that you need to find offset <laughs> somewhere, and I'm like, "Well, our roads are crumbling. You have you have hundreds of bridges that are about to fall down at any point in time." But let's, but let's mess with sure. their health insurance premium, let's, <laughs> let's right? insurance premiums. So I want to talk about one area of the budget that has kept coming up that I don't think any of us were really anticipating. Um, and don't we have a budget to- deal though, Jesse? So, it's so funny, everyone says that, right? We have a budget deal, so why are we still talking about, right. you know, a, a gov- possible government shutdown? Well, so the budget deal sets baseline, sets the numbers. Now the appropriations committees know how much money they have to work with, but they still have to write the bill, and it's how you allocate that money. And right now the fight in appropriations is over riders. Republicans want to add policy riders to the what I think will eventually be an omnibus bill covering all um, all the 12 appropriations bills into one big bill. Democrats want as few riders as possible. So there's this fight over riders while you know the appropriators are just trying to do their work and set the funding levels and get a bill to the floor before the current CR expires December 11th. December 11th. I, yeah, my, my personal take on it is that this talk of a government shutdown is a little blown out of proportion. I think you have a budget agreement Agreement that Democrats and Republicans agreed to—it's considered a bipartisan agreement. Both sides of the aisles, you know, proclaim victory. You know, they came together, they got their work done. So why are we spending our time talking about something that could prevent this? Um, so I'm—I'm I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to think that talk of a government shutdown is a little overinflated. Mm-hmm. Um, but who, this Congress, I mean, I. I I've been wrong in predicting what Congress is going to mm-hmm. do in the past, so um, I certainly don't want to say absolutely no chance of a government shutdown. And the other rub is this highway bill, which currently expires um, on November 20th. Uh, both House and Senate have agreed to a six-year highway bill. However, they only have pay-fors for three of those mm-hmm. years. So how they so do that? they when that? So they're, they're going to conference, and they're trying to figure out what the pay-fors are for the remaining three years. The Senate was floating this idea of changing the rate of return on the TSP's G fund when it considered the highway bill back in July. So the provision that was in the House budget as well, it's where this idea originated. And the thought process behind it is, you know, when your money is in the G fund, which is the government securities fund, it's safe. You know, you have no risk of ever losing that money. It grows at a very, very slow rate, you know, annually, right around two percent. But you have no risk, um, so therefore, your rate of return of two percent is much greater than than the risk involved. Um, and they want to change the rate of return on the TSP's G fund, um, which would take the rate of return to less than point zero two percent. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's, I mean, you get about you get a better rate of return keeping your money in a savings account. I mean, it's think, just hysterical. Right? It's so silly. It's so it's. But but they're serious about it. Dollars. They're but, absolutely serious about it. Yeah, yep. they're serious about it.
1: how much does it save? I interrupted you.
3: About 32 billion. Um 3 years of highway funding is about 45 billion. So, oh, I mean, geez. that gets you pretty far. Um, if they're going to undertake this change and I will the Federal Thrift um, wow. Investment Board has been excellent in educating members of Congress mm-hmm. on why um, this is a bad idea and helping us out with our talking points and trying to prevent something um, like this from happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, all told that you're never going to realize that $32 billion because people are going to take their money out. Right. Of the GFOT, that's what know? I said. It's like, like People exactly just take their money out. Happen. Yeah. It's, it's, gimmicky, it's gimmicky budgeting, right? You're never going to realize that saving. So as it relates Excuse me. As it relates to the highway bill, we're really focusing on making sure now that they are in conference, conferees have been named. They only have until November twentieth. The house is in recess for most of next week. Um, you know, Thank making, God. Sure that <laughs> making sure that federal employees don't play a role in our and you know funding our nation's highway projects. It, it's 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 so
1: silly. It feels that it's not real. That that whole um, thought process um in and 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 decision making analysis on how to fund the highway bill which for i think it doesn't matter where you are in our country um if you're on a coast if you're in um the midwest if you're in the south most americans i think their number one complaint are the roads and bridges that they drive on
3: um, as a dc resident it's certainly one of my biggest it's it, it's like
1: universal you hear it everywhere from everyone and and some very big media um you know reporters i remember it was like sometime last year 60 minutes did this like entire you know i think it was the entire show they had the form, a couple of former uh, transportation secretaries talking about the crisis in our country with um you know our infrastructure uh, bridges and roads and To me i just i can't put it together in my brain jesse that here we have something this it's universal it's national and it's big Mm -hmm. and it requires a lot of money and thought and they're just like trying to raid the g fund
3: yep they're trying to raid the g fund to pay for something that to me seems so so simple right
1: Mm -hmm. so so you don't think we're out of the woods on that
3: I don't think we're out of the woods. The House did come up with a pay-for via an amendment that was um, widely accepted that didn't involve federal employees that um, House uh, or Senate leaders have have indicated that they support as well. I, I don't, however, want to be overly optimistic. I certainly wouldn't want to let my guard down when we were just fighting this fight in highway, you know, with the Senate back in July So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Mm -hmm. I do think the chance of a government shutdown is lower than some are speculating, although certainly a possibility could be an interesting holiday season for federal employees and retirees. Um, But I'm keeping my fingers crossed and working hard to make sure it's not.
1: I thought I heard Paul Ryan said that there wasn't going to be a shutdown.
3: Well, I I don't think he wants his first, you know, big act as speaker (laughs) to have there be a government shutdown. Um, And when there is a big shutdown, especially when, you know, White House congressional leaders agree to this deal, you have Republicans in charge of both chambers. If they can't get appropriations bills through, it will undoubtedly be perceived as the Republicans' fault. Mm -hmm. And that is not the way they want to head into an election year. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can only hope, right?
3: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) So, um, but, you know, I think... um, I think rat uh, many Americans think that those kinds of rational thought processes are um, widely absent um, yep. in in the uh, that branch of government, and so uh, you know we we feel your anxiety over these issues. We have a few minutes left, Jesse. What else can you forecast for us in this Congress?
3: Oh, This Congress, I think I think that's it. I think you're going to see a lot of rhetoric about a government shutdown. I think it's not going to happen. Um, I am hopeful that. We, you know, NARF as an association and all the other federal groups can keep federal employees out of the highway bill. Um, this has been a really busy Congress in 2016 presidential election year house and senate released their calendars uh one of the slowest legislative calendars um in recent history they're in their august recess for i think almost six if not seven weeks Isn't that um, something? it's not quite it's not quite august recess next year um i think it's really getting through 2015 then we'll see really what speaker ryan has on his agenda in 2016
1: and you know they make 176,000 hundred and seventy six thousand a year they do. They make 176,000 a year and they get a you, when they get 7 weeks off. Um, well, they'll claim they're At still least. working. They'll claim they're working. So, well,
3: I will say this as someone who did work in a congressional office, I can tell you when, the they staff are is. In, when when they're in recess that district staff is working harder than and, and than any other point in time. So, I don't I don't like to characterize it as vacation. Um, but it certainly makes my life a little easier when they're not here. So,
1: Jesse, who's who's eligible to join NARF?
3: Um, any current federal employee or retiree, spouses of federal employees and retirees, and any survivors. We do receive a lot of questions from survivors um, who never sure. worked for the federal government, who have no idea how to navigate federal benefits when their spouse passes away. So, membership is open to spouses and survivors of federal employees and retirees as well.
1: That's great. And it's NARF, N-A-R-F-E dot org.
3: It is. And if you're interested in the Federal Benefits Institute and the webinar coming up with Tammy Flanagan next week, it's NARF.org slash Federal Benefits Institute.
1: Great. Jesse, it's always, it's always fun talking to you. I look forward Thanks to seeing so you soon. Thank so much for having me. And um, we'll be checking in up with you, I'm sure, during the spring just to see what Congress is up to. Joan, um, thank you. Um, thank you for sponsoring our show. You're welcome. We love working with you. And um, that was very informative half hour. We're going to send people back to your website, www.ltcfeds.com.
2: It's where you can go for all of our webinars. Jesse just spoke about the ones that NARF is doing. We have webinars and the virtual benefits fair.
1: Thank you. We hope to have you on the show again in 2016. Sounds great.